Hello, my Faking It fam, and welcome to the Faking It podcast. I am your host, Miriam Hart, and I am so excited to be doing my 42nd episode with you guys. 42! Okay, I know I sound really crazy, but 42 is my favorite number, and so therefore, I'm very excited to be doing this 42nd episode. Now I'll tell you why 42 is my favorite number. A lot of people think 42 is my favorite number because 42 is the meaning of the life. And it's from Guardians with the Galaxy, not Guardian with the Galaxy, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, something like that. I have never seen that movie. Uh, and so therefore, no, that is not why 42 is my favorite number. 42 is my favorite number because when I was 12 years old, I watched the movie Jackie Robinson. It was called 42. And if anyone knows who Jackie Robinson is, Jackie Robinson is the first African-American major league baseball player. And so it was when I was like 12 and all I wanted to do was play sports and I was not able to play sports at the time. And Jackie Robinson, he as a black man, like made it into the major league sports. And I loved his story. And I said to myself, if I ever make it onto a sports team, if I ever go to a school that allows me to play sports, my number will be 42. And when I was 15 years old, when my mom left the community, I switched to a modern Orthodox school, joined every possible sports team that I could, basketball, soccer, you know, um, like literally everything, cross country, track. And my number was 42 for all the sports. So 42 has been my favorite number since I was 12 years old. Everyone in my family knows this. And this is my 42nd episode of season one of the Faking It podcast. So very exciting episode. And I thought because of that, Instead of having it be like a streamlined theme for this episode, I want to just talk to you guys about where I'm at in life. What's going on? You know, you guys are my faking it fam. You've been with me and I kind of am always just like doing things. And then I don't know if I explain what's going on in my life. So I thought this episode, I can just tell you guys where I'm at in life, what's going on in my head, where I'm located in the world, where I'm planning to be this coming year and just give you an update on life. So that's what this episode will be about. Not just what I'll be doing, but also what my philosophies are right now in life and what I've been thinking about critically and reflecting on all that fun jazz. So that's what this episode's on uh, and I'll get into it. So right now I'm in New York. This is my bedroom. Yeah, I'm living with my mom and my sister right now. So I was doing more. So I graduated college a year ago. I decided to pursue a second degree at Stanford. And so these past few months up until March, I was at Stanford doing two quarters, pursuing another degree. I wasn't sure what the degree was. I kind of just wanted to study more. And at Stanford, they make it very flexible for you. So I was studying a lot of philosophy, psychology, um, and some poetry too, and some economics. I really was just across the board anthropology, taking classes that I just thought were interesting. So I was doing that until winter quarter. Then after winter quarter, I came to New York and I'm living with my mom and my sister. And while I'm here, I'm still doing classes through Stanford online. And so this past quarter, Stanford's on the quarter system, I've been taking online classes and I've been taking a lot of philosophy and also Islamic history and politics, Iranian politics. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So that's been really fun, learning about the Middle East and then also studying moral and feminist philosophy uh, and just like doing all the readings for these classes and being able to be with my family in New York has been really incredible. So that's what's been going on kind of like location wise. And then this summer, actually, I'll probably be starting my travels next week. I'm going to Israel for a month and a half. I'm really excited. I'll be staffing a birthright trip and then I'll just be hanging out there with my friends, being in Israel. It's such a queer friendly environment. So I can't wait to go out to the lesbian bars and hang out there and be in Tel Aviv, which is also a huge tech scene. That's what I'll be doing. And then after that, I go to New Mexico for a little bit and then back to New York and I'll be in New York at least until January of the coming year. I'm looking into classes at NYU. I want to continue studying. So why? Why do I want to continue to study? I already got a degree from Stanford. I technically can just get a job, start my own company, uh, and do that. Why do I want to continue studying? This has been something that I have been questioning myself. And so I think I'll start there in terms of the philosophy of life. Where is my head at in terms of everything? So one of my mentors, Esther Wojcicki, she is known as the mother of Silicon Valley. She literally, her daughter is Susan Wojcicki and who a May 23 and me, Anne Wojcicki and um, her other daughter, one is a professor and scientist in neuroscience at UCSF. Another one is the CEO of YouTube. Her, it was in her garage that Google was founded. Esther Wojcicki is this powerhouse of a woman, also grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community in LA. Listen to my episode with her. I do an episode with her. Um, it's Her name is in it, Waj. So you can listen to that episode. And it talks about how her parents wanted to marry her off, but she escaped and she took a bus with no money to Berkeley, went to Berkeley and built a life for herself. So she's a really incredible woman too. She did that at 19 years old. So she's my mentor. I've known her since I was 17, living out in San Francisco on my own. She was kind of just like a mom out there for me. And it was really great having her. And so I called her about this because I was saying to her, like, I don't know why, but there's something in me that wants to stay studying, that wants to continue to learn. And I reflected on it a lot because I have a lot of friends who got their degree, started companies, are doing really well, are super successful, killing it in whatever they're doing, making tons of money, getting tons of press, you know, just like living that life. And I have other friends who are also just getting a job, being more stable, have a partner, like doing the stable thing and, you know, that being really well and just also being able to like create wealth and all of these things. And my friends are just really just living it and doing their best thing. And for me, I'm like, there's something inside of me that's saying I'm not ready to start my company. I'm not ready to do that thing yet. I kind of feel like I want to learn more, even though I already have been learning for five years. It's a long time, you know, but there's something that still is not done studying yet. 
there's still so much more that I want to learn. And so it's hard for me to say, like, let me just get, do these like small, like just make money from Instagram, you know? And by the way, I just want to say thank you to everyone who engages with my sponsored content because that is my source of income. So whenever you see sponsored comment content, you see influencers posting that, that's how they make money. So like, just like you have a job and you go and you make your money, that's how we make money as content creators. So I just want to encourage you that when you see a content creator, like doing an ad to engage with that content, because that helps us be able to do this. That helps me be able to pay for this time that I spend on editing this podcast, creating the reels, this equipment that I bought, this investment that I made. So just engage with sponsored content and understand that this is how content creators can make a living. Uh, Just like you have your jobs and you make your livings your way. So content creation is kind of really my sole way of making a living right now outside of like engineering contract work, but I'm not putting too much effort into creating wealth. Right now I'm putting effort into creating wealth of knowledge, creating wealth in myself. And so that's the wealth that I'm focused on, not financial wealth, but personal development, gaining knowledge having a wealth of knowledge and just learning about the world. And so it's hard to do that. It's hard to not want to start a career. You know, maybe I could work at in a tech company and build myself up and everything like that. Um, but it's just been something that has been really eating at me that I want to learn more. And I can't explain why. I mean, I have friends that have asked me, like my best friend, Andrew, why do you want to learn so much about the world? Why are you so curious? And my answer, I it could technically be because of where I came from, where I still have so much to catch up on. But now I will say that I am fairly caught up in certain fields. Like I definitely know more philosophy than the average person. I definitely know, know you know, more about psychology than the average person. So I'm definitely catching up or have caught up in a lot of in industries and fields and areas of studies, but I still am not even like close to done yet for me, according to my metric. So I think for me, it's just that we live in this world and there's so much beauty to it. And for some reason, I have this fire inside of me that's telling me that I need to understand it more. I need to understand how electricity works. I need to understand how to create a radio. I need to understand biology more. I need to understand physics and chemistry. I need to. It's not even like a want. It's like, I need to. And this desire to know isn't from a love of learning. Let me repeat that. This desire to know is not from a love of learning. So I don't want to learn these things because I enjoy learning things. Actually, the contrary. I don't enjoy learning things. I don't find it fun. It's not really exciting for me to read thick texts that Kant wrote and having to Google half of the words that I read because I genuinely don't know what they mean. When I'm in this, like taking this politics, Middle Eastern politics class about Iran, literally half of the word words, I'm like hegemony. Never heard of that word. I Google it. You know, I'm just like constantly Googling words, not understanding what they mean. So it's hard. It's not easy to learn these things. You know, it's tough to think critically. It requires real energy and focus and attention. It's difficult. Learning's not easy. But there's just this desire to know. I just want to know these things. And the means to knowing is through learning. And so that's why I want to learn. So that's just, I want to say that that message there, the reason why I think it's important to know that I don't love learning is because I think it was Margaret Atwood who said that she hates writing. She's a writer who hates writing. 
And the reason is she writes is because she has something to say. So sometimes we put ourselves through certain individualized hells, discomforts, situations and activities, even if we don't like to do it, but just because it is a means to an end and that end is so nice and so satisfying, it makes us feel so good that it's worth it. So learning, I don't love learning. I love knowing. I love questioning. I love figuring out. And so learning, even though I don't love it, I still do it. Coding. I don't love coding, but I love building. I love creating things. And the means to create is through code. And so this is just an example that you don't have to love the work necessarily to do the thing. Sometimes you can just hustle and work through it to create whatever you want to create, to study whatever you want to study, to know whatever you want to know, to be whoever you want to be, etc. And it's okay if you don't love every step along the way. I just want to say that. So I spoke to Waj, my founder, my, my mentor, and she pretty much said to me, Miriam, it's okay that you want to learn because I was really struggling with taking a full year of my life just to study, not to build. Being in tech, it's all about productivity, creating things. So for me saying that I want to take another year to not produce, but just to consume knowledge and information, it was hard. It's hard to do that. But she said to me, she's like, Miriam, we're humans and it's part of being a citizen of this world. Being a citizen of this world means to understand the world. It means to really enjoy its beauties and then apply it to all sorts of aspects of your life. And she even said, Steve Jobs audited classes at Stanford for a year, just taking whatever he wanted. And he was able to apply that to whatever company he built. And it wasn't even about doing that. It was about just learning. And so she really encouraged me to just take this next year to study. And so I decided that I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to take another year to study. So that is where I'm at right now. I want to take another year to study. Um, and one more story I'll give on this is from The Alchemist, from the book The Alchemist, there's this little fable, this little life lesson in there that I want to share with you all. This boy, this boy wanted to find the meaning of life. And so what he did was he went to his father and said, hey, I want to find the meaning of life. Where can I find it? And his dad said, there's this old man. Also, this is a very like male eccentric story. It's an old story, but you know, this old, let me say old woman, let's change it up. This old, she said this old woman lives in this house and she has the meaning of life. So you have to go to her house. She's far away. You have to travel through the desert. You have to climb over the mountains to get there. It's a small house. It's hard to get there. But if you want to find the meaning of life, this is where you have to go. So the boy said, okay. He travels through the desert. He climbs over the mountains and he gets to this house. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. The old woman's house who holds the meaning of life gets into the home. He knocks on the door. The old woman opens up the door and she and he says, hello, I heard that you have the meaning of life. Can you share with me? And the old lady says, of course, I'd be happy to share the meaning of life with you. But first, before you listen to me, walk around my home. Don't take a person's advice without knowing where they come from. And so the boy said, okay. The boy walks around the home. 
But she says, wait, before you start walking, I want you to take the spoon and I'm going to put two drops of oil on it. And as you walk up the, around the home, be careful not to drop the spoon with oil on it. And the boy says, sure. He's walking around the home, up the stairs. He's focused, looking at the spoon and the oil, making sure not to drop it. He walks through the corridors. He walks through the dining rooms and um, out by the courtyard and all the way back around to where the old woman is. And all the while holding the spoon in his hand with two drops of oil on it, being sure not to drop the oil. And then he gets back and the old woman says to him, what did you think of my home? And the boy says, well, I couldn't really, I think it's nice, but I was kind of making sure the oil didn't drop. See, the oil didn't fall off the spoon. It's still here. And the lady, the old woman says, well, I want you to take in the, my home's beauty. Make sure to actually look at the walls and the art that I bought and, and really see the home. You can't just walk around but not look. And the boy says, okay, I'll go again. The boy goes around again. And this time he sees all the, the drapes and, and the beautiful tapestry and the furniture and the art and the color. And it's gorgeous. And he comes back to the old, to the old lady and he says, whoa, you have a beautiful home. It's gorgeous. And, and then the old lady says to him, but where's the oil on the spoon? And the boy looks at, down at the spoon and sees that because he was taking in all the beauty of the home, the oil fell off of the spoon. Then she said, that is the meaning of life. Taking in the world's beauty while still keeping the oil on the spoon. So often we are so driven down one path. We are so focused, laser focused to do whatever we set out to do for ourselves, to get good grades, to go to a good school, to become a doctor, to, you know, to, to, to find a good partner. We're so focused to get this amount of engagement to this and that and that, to be kind, you know, we have, we're so laser focused to whatever our goals are, to whatever life we, we think we should be living, that we don't look up at the world and take in its beauty. And so the meaning of life, according to her, is about the balance of both, is about being able to have a goal and, and be and work hard and work towards something, but also be able to take a step back and acknowledge where you are in life and take in the human experience. We're only alive on this earth for so long. We were put into this human body onto this earth. Why not take in its beauty? Why not in, enjoy the experience of what it means to be human? And so... This story was told to me by my dear friend, Aram. The Alchemist is, is their favorite book. And it really hit home when I heard it. And I heard it just this past week. Because for me, I think what I want to do right now is kind of take in the world's beauty. I've been so laser focused since I was 16 years old. Build companies, get good grades, go to a good college, do the things that you have to do to be successful, you know? But now I kind of just want to take in the world's beauty. And to me, taking in the world's beauty means understanding the world and studying the world, learning why the leaves flow the way they do when the wind hits it, why there's this much wind in this particular place. What is the math and physics? How can I paint that tree? You know, all of these things, the wonders of the world, I want to study it. I want to explore. I want to travel. I want to take in the world's beauty. And still, what I've been struggling with is spilling that's that that oil on my spoon by taking in the world's beauty i felt like i was losing my focus but there's a way for us to do both the side tracks of life you know we don't want to just be laser focused our entire life and then afterwards be like is that it 
No, I can still focus, do my podcast, share my findings with you, you know, write what I learned, that, that have that be my focus while still taking in the beauties of the world, whatever that means for me, that meaning studying more. So that's kind of where I'm at with that in terms of studying um, and taking in the world's beauty. And so I, cur- I encourage you all to think about where you're at in life. How laser focused are you and how much beauty are you taking in? Do you want to take in more? Do you think you should be taking in less? Should you be focusing more on the oil? Should, should you be focusing more on the tapestry? What feels right to you? And know that both are okay. That is what this lesson is, that it's okay to take in the beauty and to be focused. You can do both. You can spend three years traveling, taking in the world's beauty, but then also spend seven years studying and becoming a doctor. You know, we can do it all. We can do both. So that is the lesson that I have been contemplating and learning and embodying lately in my life. So I thought I'd share that with you all. Woo, breather. What else has been going on? Okay. Let me turn a little bit because it is Pride Month. I want to talk a little bit about my sexuality. So I don't know if you've noticed. I'm actually, right now, is not a very good representation because I'm wearing somewhat more tight clothes. But lately I've been wearing very baggy clothes. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, And the reason as to why is because first I decided to dress for myself more. I think I had pressures from the persona I put off that I should dress like a certain kind of person. Like I'm known in the queer world as a femdom. This is something that I'm very public about. And that means that being a femdom means I have to be feminine. And so I felt pressures to be feminine a lot. But lately I've been kind of more just like, I don't care as much. And so I've been kind of trying to wear baggy clothes, but feeling really weird about it and uncomfortable about it. And then recently I have kind of, and I don't know where I'm completely at with this. And I still talk about it with myself all the time in terms of like labels and do they actually matter? But let's just say lately I've been leaning a lot more towards women, thinking of myself more as a lesbian. I'm so attracted. I think I'm attracted to men. I'm not hundred percent sure. All I know is that whenever I'm with a woman, I feel way more. I enjoy it way more than I do when I'm with a man. And so because of that, I'm like, Miriam, maybe you're just a fucking lesbian. You know, maybe it's time to accept that you're just gay and there's nothing wrong with that. But it was hard for me having internalized homophobia and just to accept that maybe I'm really just gay, especially, you know, when like when I was younger and people called me gay and it was a bad thing. And I like, it was hard for me to admit that they're right. You know, like all these things that, but lately I've just been like, maybe you're just gay. Uh, and it's actually been the most empowering realization lately, accepting that I'm a lesbian. And so this is officially me, me coming out as a lesbian. Obviously, I think sexuality is a spectrum and it could change and I can feel differently in the future. Right now, I'm totally on team ladies. That's where I'm at right now. I'm pretty much lesbian. Labels don't matter all that much, but that's how I feel. So lesbian, queer, woman-leaning person whatever. But the reason it's been so empowering for me lately is because I realized that I still was very much attached to this idea of the male gaze and male validation. As much as I wanted to separate myself from that, being bisexual and still wanting men to think I'm cute, I kind of put myself in the bucket of what it means to be feminine because that's what we've been told as is cute according to men. 
And the second I decided that I genuinely don't care if men find me attractive or not, and I just care if women find me attractive, that means I can apply queer female beauty standards to myself. And in that world, women have short hair, women have hairy legs and hairy armpits, women don't wear makeup, women do wear makeup, women have all body sizes. What is considered attractive in the queer woman realm is very different than what is considered attractive in the heteronormative realm. And so I was like, oh, I don't have to put myself in a box now. Being only wanting women to like me, even as like a more top energy kind of person, you can still get with women, you know, like I can dress differently, wear baggier clothes and women will still find me attractive. So discovering my sexuality more and accepting my sexuality more has really enabled me to wear baggier clothes and kind of play with my style. Happens to be right now, I'm wearing a very feminine outfit. And it's mostly because I'm not fully there. I still have a lot to go through. And that's why I thought it's even more important for me to share this message with you right now, because it's a freaking journey. It's a journey and a half. Eventually, I do want to cut my hair, like shave my head, you know, like I'm going to do it. You guys are going to see it's not happening right now, but it's going to happen. I eventually want to shave my head. Um, but yeah, I just exploring wearing baggier clothes. And just even on the topic of baggy clothes outside of sexuality, Woman, why, like the workout clothes we wear is so tight. So when I was starting to wear more baggy clothes, I started wearing basketball, like boys basketball shorts. I took my little brother's boys basketball shorts. And I can't explain to you how much more comfortable I was wearing those shorts when I was exercising, when I was running, when I was lifting weights. Instead of wearing tight, you know, like Lululemon, suck you in clothing. I genuinely felt like I could breathe more, that I could move easier. It felt more comfortable. But when you go into any woman's section, it's so hard to find longer shorts that cover your thighs. So you don't have like chafe on your thighs that are, you know, that are in the woman's section. They're only all mostly tight. And so it was just something that I thought was so interesting, how much clothing are gendered in our society, you know, like women's workout clothing being so tight, men's workout clothing being usually looser. There's also been studies done that women feel more aware of their body or not even women, people feel more aware and more self-conscious about their body when they are wearing tight clothing because their body is more revealing. And so even when women are working out, usually if when they wear tight clothing, they're looking at their body and checking, oh, is my fat rolling over? Because since they're wearing tight clothing, you can see it all. You know, every line of fat and every roll and every crease and every everything. When you wear baggy clothing, you don't see any of that. And therefore you don't think about it. You're less, you're less conscious about your body and more focused on whatever the exercise you're doing. And so it was just so nice to not one, not be conscious about my body as I was exercising and two, to be able to breathe easier and three, to just feel more comfortable in what I was wearing. So this is just a, something I want to share with you all that baggy clothing during exercise feels really good. And for some reason in our society right now, only tight yoga clothing is considered what is normal for women to wear. But I'm just posing this as food for thought why is it always tight? Even if you're femme, we don't wear, we wear baggy jeans. We wear baggy pants. We still wear baggy clothes as femme people. Why does it have to only be tight? So that's just a question I'm posing for you guys. Something to think about. All right. I think that's really going to be it for today's episode. Wanted to share those updates with you all. Um, there's obviously more things I've been thinking about. I've been thinking, last thing I'll just touch on is I've been thinking a lot about guilt and shame and how much 
self-policing plays a role in like female oppression. Um, I'm just, I'm studying so much feminist philosophy, guys. It's, and also not just feminist philosophy, even moral philosophy makes me think about these things, but just about how much shame plays a role in what we do and don't do. And guilt plays a role in what we do and don't do and how guilt is an emotion and isn't always aligned with logic. For example, when I wore pants for the first time, when I was 16 years old, I knew logically that there's nothing wrong with it, but I still felt emotionally guilty when I wore those pants. It took me time to get over that guilt. So is guilt really a good metric for right and wrong if it doesn't always align with logic, if it's purely emotional? That's something that I've been thinking about. And also guilt is used oftentimes to make women feel bad about themselves, you know, to make people feel bad about themselves, to keep us down. And so I've been thinking a lot about how can I not allow guilt to control me when I logically think that it shouldn't. Uh, and so that's just another food for thought that's been going on in my head. So this is what's been going on in my head. I hope you enjoy. I'm a very reflective person. I like to think about things a lot. If anybody has thoughts that they want to share with me, I do have bit.ly slash Miriam advice. It's a voice note, you, voicemail. You can call me and just put a voice message in. Uh, but yeah, this is my 42nd episode. I'm going to take the summer off to travel and reflect on more things. So uh, I'll be back in September for my second season of faking it. I love doing this with you all. I love reflecting, talking to you all. So now's really the time for you to DM me and let me know what you want more of. My Instagram account is at Miriam Hart. Like this, give it a five-star review. Tell me your thoughts. I'm so happy to be talking to you all and I cannot wait for another season of faking it. 42 episodes, guys. That means I've been doing this for 42 straight weeks in a row. That's wild, child. Okay, I'm out of here. Peace. And as always, kisses, bitches.